0: Section 24 of The History of Minnesota and Tales of the Frontier, Part 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. The History of Minnesota and Tales of the Frontier, Part 2, by Charles E. Flandreau, Section 24 bread in the bone in the early days of what is now minnesota there were two families of missionaries living among the sioux of the mississippi who like many of their profession devoted their whole lives to spreading the gospel of christ among the savages they were those of dr williamson and the rev stephen r riggs both of whom had lived with these indians long before i came among them when i first became connected with these indians i found the missionaries comfortably installed at the yellow medicine agency with quite a village around them they had dwelling houses and a commodious schoolhouse where they took indian children at a very early age with a view of civilizing and christianizing them they had also a very pretty church with a steeple on it and a bell in the steeple and all the other buildings necessary for the complete and efficient operation of their laudable undertaking they were full of zeal and enthusiasm in the cause and had progressed to a point where it looked to an outsider as if success was only a question of a short time if it was not already an accomplished fact the bible had been translated into the sioux language and they had hymn-books and catechisms in the same language they had learned to speak sioux thoroughly and could preach and sing in that language many is the time i have attended church at the little meeting-house and heard the simple old presbyterian hymns sung to the tunes that have resounded for generations through meeting-houses of new england it was a most solemn and impressive spectacle in the heart of the indian country to see a christian church filled with devout worshippers all in the costume of savagery and to listen to the oft-told story of the saviour who died that man might live such a scene carries with it a much more convincing proof of the universality of the christian religion than a church full of fashionably dressed people in a great city it suggests its limitless application to all the human race even if dwelling in the remotest part of the earth the experience of these good missionaries had taught them that civilization was the most potent auxiliary to religion and for the success of either the other was a necessary aid and adjunct when dealing with these primitive people so they set themselves to work to devise plans to instill into the Indians the elemental principles of government based on law. They organized a little state or community among them, through which they endeavored to prove to them the advantages of civilized rule through the agency of officers of their own choice and laws of their own making. They called their state the Hazelwood Republic, which embraced all the missionary establishment, and all the indians they could induce to unite in the enterprise they drew a written constitution the provisions of which were to govern and direct the conduct of the members and the workings of the community of course the fundamental principles upon which the whole fabric rested were similar to those taught by the ten commandments the indians with the advice of the missionaries elected a president for the young republic and the choice fell upon a wise and upright man about fifty years of age whose name is mazakutamami or the man who shoots metal as he walks and to give the matter a more pronounced ecclesiastical aspect they added a scriptural name by way of a prefix to the names of all the officers for instance they called the president paul mazakutamami and one of the deacons simon anwangmani which means the man who can keep up with any moving object or as things turned out in the end it could well have been translated into the fast man the first act necessary for initiation as a citizen of the republic was cutting off the long hair universally worn by the sioux and if any act could be taken as indicative of sincerity this one seemed to be conclusive it is quite as much of a sacrifice for an indian to cut off his hair as it would be for a young lady in society possessed of a splendid suit of hair to cut it off short and appear at a grand ball with her head thus denuded the next step was to wear a hat and exchange the breech clout for pantaloons and the blanket for a shirt or coat notwithstanding this terrible ordeal of naturalization the population of the republic increased and the church was well attended the praying and singing was participated in quite generally by the members and the future republic looked promising one of the most exemplary citizens and devout worshippers was deacon simon anawangmani he led in prayer and labored heart and soul for the good of the republic and the church he was the last man that anyone would have expected to fall from grace and no one ever thought of such a thing but strange as it may appear he one day sought an interview with the missionaries and announced the astounding fact that an indian who had killed his cousin some eight years before had returned from the missouri river country and he thought it was his duty to kill him in retaliation the astonishment of the missionaries may well be imagined they cited to him the commandment thou shalt not kill and dwelt upon the awful sinfulness of such an act and he would say i know what the bible says and i believe in sundays but he killed my cousin then they would attack him on the laws of the republic of which he was a high official and dwell upon the dreadful example such an act would set before the brethren of the church and he would reply oh yes i know all that but he killed my cousin then in despair they would tell him that he was no longer an indian that he had become a white man and the laws of the white man forbid such revenge i know all that he would say but he killed my cousin as a final resort the faithful and believing missionaries concluded to call in the aid of heaven to assist them and they prayed with simon for hours days and nights in all of which he joined with fervor and unction but he could not divest himself of the all-pervading idea that his cousin had been killed and the sacred duty had devolved upon him to avenge his death this belief had been born in him and no religion of the white man could eradicate it true to the creed of his ancestors he got a double-barreled shotgun and went out and killed his enemy of course this new murder opened up a new feud a reign relative against relative and destroyed simon's influence as a deacon in the church and an officer of the republic to such a degree as almost to destroy all the good that both had accomplished i mention this incident to show what uncertain ground the missionaries find to sow the seeds of christianity and when working among savages notwithstanding such discouragements as the above i believe much good was done through the efforts of the missionaries in times of great trouble and excitement i always found the best friends of the whites among the indians who had felt the enlightening influences of the missionaries not excepting simon who with paul john Ortherday, and many others performed heroic services for the whites when friends were most needed but i have never been able to settle the question in my mind as to whether any of them ever grasped the principles of the christian religion in eighteen sixty two the sioux openly rebelled against the whites and it was solely through the good offices of orthorday and paul that these missionaries escaped massacre all their buildings and their labor of long years was destroyed and they were driven out of the country. Most people would have thought that they would have had enough of such a life. I know I thought so, but not so with these devoted people. Shortly after the suppression of the outbreak, I met Dr. Williamson and asked him what were his future intentions. Without the least hesitation, he answered that he would look up the remnant of his tribe and continue his work. All the heroes are not found in the ranks of the fighters. Note. The reader of both the history and the frontier stories will notice that many of the facts stated in the history are repeated in the stories. I decided to insert both because the different way in which they are related led me to believe that the elimination of either would detract from the interest of the work. The author. End of section 24.